Let me talk to you a little bit from uh, the subject, what love? This is part two. What love? What love? I, when I think about the love of God, my, my, my response is, what love? You know, like this is amazing love that God has for us. And uh, I want us to look at that and you and I are who we are and what we are because God loves us. And, and that love is a tangible love. Uh, it's a love that invigorates us, strengthens us, gives us understanding. It's amazing love. It causes us to endure whatever the enemy brings against us. We endure and we're not whining all the time. Aren't you glad that God delivered you from whining? I, I'm glad that's delivered you from whining. Nobody wants to be around a whining person. You know, I think somebody, I had a little sign uh, on my door one time. I've had it, somebody made it for me. I said, thou shalt not whine. And, and what, some overzealous saint took it off my door. I guess they were trying to save the ministry. But, but, but let, let's, aren't you, I, I'm so glad that God is, is maturing us. It's, it's important that God would mature us. And there are some of us who want to know the truth. Sometimes people will say things like, you can be honest with me, Pastor. I said, did you think I would be dishonest with you? <laughs> you, know? you know? I think sometimes we, we, we equate honesty with brutality because we'll say, you can be brutally honest. Well, you can be honest without brutality. And so I, I, I want us to look at this amazing love that God has, this love that, that's shaping us, making us better. And, and what I would like for all of us to do is to get into this place where we are, we are receptacles of the love of God. And then these receptacles become dispensers of the love of God. And that's what we want to do. We want to be a dispenser, you know, because we have an eternal supply. And uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, verse 1, John says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. I mean, John is, is exclaiming this. He, he's saying, what love that we, human beings, creatures, can now be called children of God. This is what John is saying. You know, and so, so he wants us to, to get this, to understand this. It doesn't matter what happens to you in the course of your day. You have to know that God loves you. And he is this amazing parent who is uh, maturing you, but he can't coddle you all the time. You'll never reach maturity, but he is watching over you. Every step you take, he's watching over you. Yeah, and sometimes the bully comes out. The bully comes out, the devil comes out at you, and he just watches over you. And you are terrified because you don't see his eye, but his eye is on you. Yeah. And the bully comes out, and he doesn't seem to do anything about the bully because you need to know that the bully is a paper tiger because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have to know these in reality. So God is watching over you every moment of your day. He has never left you. He has never abandoned you. Amen. You're not a second thought, an afterthought to God. You're not a plan B to God. So John tells us, look at this amazing love that the Father has bestowed upon us. He said. 
that we should be called children of God. Then he says a great, he concludes something. He says, therefore, as a result of that, therefore, because you are children of God, because of this great love, therefore, the world does not know us. He said, the world doesn't know you because the world cannot perceive God. The world cannot grasp God. The world doesn't understand God. He says, so that's why they don't understand you. That's why you have difficulties in life. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. You know, if you, you know I know all of us have grown uh, out of our desire for the world to love us. I would dare say every one of us has wanted the world to love us. We've wanted to be accepted. But when you are accepted, that, that's a problem. When the world loves you, that's a problem. It means that you have not gone far enough and you are not really identified with the Lord Jesus whom they hated. The scripture says they hated him without a cause. And so if the world loves you, you have a problem. That means you're not identified with Jesus. But you know, I think we've thought, well, I'm cool that the world loves me. But therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. It does not know anyone nor accepts those who are of him. John 3.16 tells us, I know you, uh, you, you just probably are saying, is that the only scripture pastor knows? For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. Jesus is the love of God given to you. It's the love of God. So that God would give his only begotten son. I've heard worldly people say, uh, I don't believe in a God who would give his son. That's because you don't know him. He loves you, an enemy, so much that he is willing to sacrifice his own son for your salvation. No, they, they don't understand that kind of love. They only understand the kind of love that's, that's exploitative. Exploitative. Yeah, the kind of love that defrauds another, takes advantage of another. And they have the audacity to call it making love. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, sort of witnesses also. It witnesses to this point of the great love of God by saying, But God, who is rich in mercy... It's like God, but God, he's talking about our, we had, we lived a deplorable state. We were dead in trespasses. We were dead. We were covered with sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is rich in undeserved kindness. He is rich in undeserved kindness. I want to be rich in undeserved kindness. I want to be able to dispense kindness on people who really have wounded me, hurt me, lied on me, damaged me, whatever. I want to be able to love them. Not out of weakness, but out of strength. God is rich in mercy because. Why does God have so much mercy? It's because of his great love. It's because of his great love. You can never have mercy if you don't have great love. But God was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So now he loved us with his great love. Therefore, 
He has showered upon us undeserved kindness. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he shows us, he shows us the, uh, the, 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 the magnanimous or generous way in which God loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, what did he do? Made us alive. When we were dead, incapable of knowing God, he just made us alive. So it, it could not be the result of what we had done because we were dead. And he made us alive. So, so John wants us to understand this amazing love. Uh, and, and so Paul comes and he reiterates it. He made us alive together with Christ. And then he says parenthetically, by grace you have been saved. He gives an explanation. He made us alive together with Christ. And he says parenthetically, by grace you have been saved. So he wants you to know that your salvation was not contingent, built upon something that you did. By grace you've been saved. Now what else did he do? And raised us up together. He made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together with Christ, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's great love. Don't get cocky like you deserve something. Don't be arrogant. This is what he's done. He's made us alive together with Christ, raised us up together with Christ, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show, demonstrate the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So I'm saying to you and me that we can get through anything that happens because of this great love. That's why the scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? This great love will get you and I through anything that we face. And so you, you must be connected to this love and fellowship with this God of great love. So Paul, uh, John tells us also, he says in John chapter 1, verse 12, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right the authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And so what he's saying is that God made us alive and gave us faith. And so we believed in him and now we're born of God now. That's amazing. That's love. How can one, as Nicodemus asked the question, how can one be born again when he is old? That was a good question. But he said, can he enter again into his mother's womb? He said, no. No, you were born of flesh the first time. Because it, 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 the natural is first. First the natural, and then the spiritual. So he says, no. So God, who is so infinitely loving, has now caused us to be born of himself. How can you do that? Well, if you're God, you can do that. He said, if you believe on Jesus... I will give you a born-again experience. I will cause you now to be born of the Spirit. And that which is born of the Spirit is now Spirit. So you are now of God because you are born of the Spirit of God. Brought forth. Oh, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. So now he says we have the right, the authority to be called God's children. In John, in John 15... 18 through 21, he says, 
John wants us to know something because a lot of times Christians walk around in life we're a little, uh, we'll, we, we act confused. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion, but sometimes we act confused. We don't know why the things uh, that are going on in our lives are going on. And we have this, this ridiculous idea, well, if God loved me, why is all this happening? If God loved me. The reason that this is happening is because you're of God. And that God does love you, but the world hates you. Now, now I don't want you to walk around paranoid. No, the world hates me. You know, so I just don't know what to do. No, you know what to do. Let's, let's read the scriptures. In John 15, verses 18 through 21, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus says, now, now, now if the world hates you, don't be all messed up about it, because the world hated me before it hated you. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In other words, the world detests you. Now, uh, we see it in every place, in every place. You know, uh, even, even when they want Christians to come and be a part of their things, and they say, well, we want you to pray now, but don't pray in the name of Jesus. What? There's no praying without, uh, without the name of Jesus. There's absolutely no praying. I mean, you're saying words, but you're not praying. You know, and some of, some of us are just so weak-kneed. Uh, uh, let me just get real strong here. We're so weak-kneed, we try to figure out words that we can use without naming Jesus. So it's our escape clause. We pray for him who died for us or we pray for your son. We pray in the name of your son. We pray in the name of him who died. Uh, or we pray in your name, O oh God. The name, O oh God. And I heard all that stuff. Because we, we, we don't want the world to love us. I mean, I would, I, I mean, I've always wanted people to love me. It was one of my weaknesses. I wanted people to love me. But I, I've grown a little bit, you know, and it doesn't matter because I'm identified with Jesus. Yeah. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 20, John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me, Jesus says. What Jesus is saying is that when the world does not do these things, that's when you have to be careful. All right? Now I want you to be encouraged in, in, in verse 2, 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. So, so John is telling us that this is not something that is futuristic. Uh, this is something that's right now. Uh, now we are children of God. I mean, that, that, that is a, a, a blessed scripture, that right now we are children of God. So what does that do for me? It strengthens me when opposition comes. And sometimes when, you know, the, the last time we were, we were uh, traveling uh, um, in one of these nations uh, a year ago, we were traveling one of these nations, uh, two days after we left, uh, a, a great number of believers were murdered 
and, and, and we, were, we were preaching in these places, and there were a great number of them murdered. I was in another nation, uh, and right before we got there, uh, two brothers were murdered. Two brothers were murdered uh, because they were Christians. And after we left, about 10 were murdered and wounded. You know, and so there's just a step. God has just had us a step ahead of these things. So Jesus is telling us, be encouraged, son. That's all right. Be encouraged. You are my child right now. You're my child right now. So whatever your situation is, you're God's child right now. So it may be you may in some situation, you call it a conundrum, you know, this, this very complex, difficult thing. You go, to, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. This is where you're God's child now. And, and if you don't know what to do, wait on him. Don't, don't, don't put your hands on some. Wait on him. Listen, now are we children of God. Now listen. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We don't know fully what that's going to look like. He says, but we know. That when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so God is, is, has connected our seeing uh, Jesus with being like him. Amen. You can be like him when you see him now. Amen. But when he comes in, in the end times, you're going to see him. And momentarily, you'll be exactly like him. That's what scripture says. That blesses me. That blesses me. That blesses me. I, I, I want to get a little bit further, so I'm going to take a couple of minutes. In Romans 8, Romans 8, 15 and 16, Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so I'm saying that we are spirit, we are children of God. We've been born of the Spirit. And so this should inform us. This should strengthen us. This should encourage us. Whenever difficulties come, whenever there are things I don't understand come, this should encourage you. I am loved by God. You may not be loved by that man. You may not be loved by that woman. You may not be loved by your neighbors, but you're loved of God. Amen. And that's important. He says, now, now, he says, you have not received uh, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. And he, what, what the adoption has to do with adoption now and adoption later. When we get our resurrection body, that will be the final act of this adoption. But right now, we're full-grown adult children who can function as adult children. We can take care of the family business. That's adoption. But he says, that now, because we've received the spirit of adoption. And he says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so the Holy Spirit is not telling me I'm a child of God. The Holy Spirit is exclaiming that I'm a child of God. He's bearing witness with my spirit. My own human spirit says I'm a child of God now, and the Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, yeah, yeah you're a child of God. Yeah, he's bearing witness. What does that bring to you? It brings strength. It brings resilience. It doesn't matter how damaged you are by life. You come back and you're the same every time. Let me, let me read another couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, verse 52, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So, so John and Paul are saying, this is your future. This is your future. I mean, it, God's desire is to share his immortality with you. Amen. I, I mean, that's mind-blowing. Does that affect you? That God says, I'm going to make you immortal. I'm going to share my immortality with you. I'm going to give you immortality. That's what this is all about. Don't worry about this stuff. You're going to be with me forever, and I'm going to showcase you forever. In ages and ages and ages to come, I'm going to showcase you. Why? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Wow. Wow. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, Paul tells us that he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul is saying God's desire is to give you something much greater than you have. Now, you may say, well, I don't know if I want that. Well, I think the alternative is not good. You know, this is amazing. You know, you know you're going to live forever. But, it, but, but real life is in Christ. You will exist, as it were. You're going to exist, I should say, forever. You'll exist either with God or without God. You'll live with God, but you'll exist without God. Now, verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope, this hope that I've just read, that you, to be with Christ, to be like Christ, everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, this is what he says. What, 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 Paul, what uh, the script, John is saying here is that if you really have the hope of eternal life, if you really desire to be with Jesus forever, if you desire all the joys of heaven, he says, you will be careful how you live your life now. Yes. He's saying you will, you will not live an impure life. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Paul says to us in, in, in agreement with John in Romans 8, 18 through 23, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I, I don't think there's, there's no comparison, Paul says. And then he says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Since even creation is waiting, is straining, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. They're waiting on Jesus. The creation itself is waiting on Jesus to come. I mean, are you waiting on Jesus to come? Listen, it goes, it goes he says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, those who are born of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. Not only that, 
but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. So Paul says there is a groaning inside you. There's a groaning in your spirit. Perhaps you, you've not known what that is. Maybe it's sometime when you go, oh Lord, how long? Maybe you're not saying, relieve, re- relieve my pressure. But you're saying, I just want to be with you. I want what you've promised. I want it right now. I want you to come for me. I want to live with you forever. I want joy beyond the sorrows. And Paul says, Paul says that the, the glory that is going to be revealed, that God has promised for you, future glory is not even worthy. This suffering's not even worthy. This, this stuff you're going through, he says, it's not even worthy to be compared to the glory that God has for you. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't even entered the heart of man, the glory that God has for you. So I want to encourage you to keep trusting, keep believing. Don't get engrossed with the things of the world. Don't, don't, don't be bothered by the craziness of the world. The whole world is insane. Every place. May I tell you, every place. You know, we travel the world. If you trust us, trust what we say, the whole world's crazy. All of it's crazy. So if you see craziness in our nation, it's crazy too. All this is a sign of the time. You and I are not supposed to be all disgruntled and load up, get more bullets and decide we're going to kill everybody. We're, we're not told to do that in Scripture. We're told to look up when we see all these things happening. Our redemption draws near. Be encouraged, believers. Be encouraged. Amen. Amen.